Welcome to ISA's Arborviews podcast, a series bringing you conversations with researchers and tree care experts about current issues in arboriculture. I'm Mark Hartley, your host, and on this episode we have Nelson Money. Nelson is now a consultant in his own business, NRM VMS, um, and you've had 35 years as a utility arborist specialist. Uh, he's a former president of the Utility Arborist Association, holds certification as a California registered professional forester, ISA certified arborist, utility specialist, and California pest control advisor. Today, we'll discuss utility vegetation and fire risk management practices. So, hi, welcome. Thanks, Mark. I enjoy being here. Um, so, how are California's experience in terms of the challenges of utility vegetation and um, fire, how is that similar to anywhere else in the world? Well, Mark, there's uh, very uh, similar situations, for example, in Australia where we're here uh, for the conference, and uh, they have very dry uh, summers, and contacts with power lines can cause fires. Um, also, um, hazard trees that fail and knock the power lines can, stop, can cause fires. So it's, it's very similar as to the regulations and the risks that we experience in California. And as um, countries, uh, their population densities increase in the wildlands, there's greater risk for uh, losses of property and people. So you say that wires and trees can cause fires. How, how does that happen? Well, it, uh, you can have just intermittent contact with uh, trees that are growing in contact with the wires. And after time, it finally kills the leaves and dries them up, and then there's an arc, and that can cause a fire. Uh, they probably happen a lot more from trees that might be dead, dying, or diseased, and they fail, come over and knock the lines to the ground, thus starting a fire. So if a line touches the ground on dry tinder, it can cause a, a, a ignite. Exactly. The wires look very benign up in the air, but as soon as they contact the ground, they arc on the ground, and uh, they'll start the grasses on fire. So obviously then there's some regulations or controls that need to go into place. Tell us about those. The, the key regulations are to uh, make sure there are minimum clearances um, so that the vegetation will not grow into the power lines during a certain period, but we call them cycles. Um, so if you prune a tree, you wanna make sure that if you're on a three-year cycle, that that tree will stay out of contact with the lines for a minimum of three years. That's one way. The other thing is to have the arborists or foresters that are patrolling the lines to look for hazard trees that may have defect and may cause a limb to break out or a tree to fail and knock the wires to the ground. And then Nelson, it seems to reason that some of those uh, hazard trees may be further away from the wires than the trees that we actually think of coming into contact with them. Exactly, and that's something that the public, um, uh, that we as arborists need to educate the public that if uh, in a forested area your average tree is say a hundred foot tall, then you really need to be looking out a hundred foot in all directions for anything that might potentially be a risk. Excellent, and so what are the key things that we need to look at then, because obviously that, that needs to be maintained and, and cared for. So when you're looking at a big contract like that, how's that handled? What, what key advice can you give in that area? Well, the, the best way to do it is to have a good 
patrolling uh, company, um, whether it's within a company or whether it's a contractor, foresters, arborists that are capable of walking the lines, judging the growth of species, to uh, identify the work so that we will prune the correct trees and wait on pruning the ones that will last until the next cycle. Um, and then on top of that, it's really important that we have good tree companies that can provide directional pruning. So we're not just topping trees, but we're making appropriate cuts to grow the trees out and around the wires. Uh, thus, uh, it may not be the right tree underneath the wires and that it'll grow taller than, than the power lines, but we can, through directional pruning, uh, grow that tree out and around and still develop a mature tree. And obviously, um, with today's environmental issues, there's going to be some uh, problems in dealing with the public and also a requirement to, to keep environmental issues um, for, at the forefront. How do you balance those things? What, what, what? Well, I, I, I actually look at those environmental issues as uh, partnering opportunities, ways that I can, for example, with endangered species, um, noxious weeds, things like that, where I can reach out to agencies and landowners and show them, for example, on our transmission right-of-ways, how I can actually manage for uh, enhancing uh, the habitat along those transmission lines for endangered species. And we do this commonly where we will try to create stable vegetation types underneath our transmission lines so that there's value there for certain wildlife species. And then in the process of setting it up to do the work, we will do some quick surveys to see if there are any endangered species, whether they be plants or animals, that we can make some adaptation to that to our plant. Obviously, as a result of that, there have been some changes in regulations over the, the sort of last 10 or 20 years. What sort of changes are we talking about? Well, the, the big changes that are happening now, especially in, in the U.S., and is, are, they're also affecting other countries, is the large transmission lines that are very vulnerable to any kind of tree contacts. And the federal agencies are requiring minimum clearances on these lines and it's a zero tolerance for any kind of outage. The last one we had in North America was over 50 million people out of power. So the regulations from the federal uh, energy regulating uh, agencies are, are really affecting uh, utilities and how they're managing those right-of-ways. Okay, so when, when we're looking at it, a lot of arborists would be thinking about trees as a thing that could just fall on the footpath or fall on a car or a house or even a person. Here you're talking about a lot bigger sort of impact. Yes, you really are. You're looking at a reliability on one count as far as um, if it happens to be a major feeder line, it could wipe out uh, or black out an area that would include hospitals, the police departments, all these uh, major um, agencies. Um, but you're also looking at uh, a risk as far as fires and a public risk. When a power line falls down and happens to go over a metal fence that goes on for, say, 100 or 200 feet, anybody touching that could be electrocuted. So there's some real risk there. And then sometimes multiple risks. We saw it here in Australia, I believe, with multiple fatalities from a electrically started fire. So. Mm -hmm. There's obviously, we're not talking about the potential to kill one person, but potentially 10, 20, 30 people, and then the inconvenience of being without those services. So there's, there's two that need to be balanced. Um, what helps reduce the, the conflicts 
than that you have between customer satisfaction when working with utility vegetation management and fire risk. How do you, how do you handle that balance? It, it, it really comes down to educating and talking to the, the property owners, explaining to them the risk. Um, it's very easy um, for the customer to look up at the lines. They're, they look very benign. Um, you don't see any sparking. But to explain to them that when the vegetation comes in contact, um, it has the potential to start a fire. You add wind into that situation, and maybe you get a limb that breaks off or a tree that comes over. So I find that when you sit down with a customer, you take some time to explain the risk to them, their community, um, that they're more than willing to let us get an appropriate clearance. So Nelson, do you think that utility boroughculture has gone a long way in the last 35 years? Have you seen big changes in terms of the way that work's done and the quality of the work? I, I believe it's come a long ways. Um, for example, directional pruning is really becoming a standard. Um, it's, it's raised the bar on our tree companies and how they do their pruning work. People are not just topping trees as they used to. Um, and, I, and I think as a profession that we're also doing a much better job of managing the vegetation under our large transmission lines. We're looking for opportunities to um, create sustainable environments of low-growing vegetation that are a benefit to the landowners that own the land, but also can help create great um, energy corridors. Nelson, that's wonderful to hear how your industry is really making those inroads. Do you see future changes occurring? I, I see future changes coming for a lot of different countries in uh, minimum clearance requirements. And, and I also hope that we're starting to see a, uh, a trend away from just topping trees in certain countries, uh, trying to get back to directional pruning and really doing pruning that's in the, in the best interest of safe and reliable power. Nelson, it's wonderful to see utility of boroughculture just move ahead in that way, and I really appreciate the opportunity to have spoken to you about it today. Thanks for coming in. Thank you very much, Mark. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you.